We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Exciting time around the NBA. We've got Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight. We've got all kinds of news from around the NBA. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, how are you holding up Game 5 tonight? How are the nerves treating you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It's funny how quickly narratives shift in the NBA yes. Finals because the Celtics went up 2-1 and everybody was ready to, you know, let's hang the banner. We don't even need to play the rest of the series and that sort of stuff. And then it turned into the Warriors win game four. And it's now like, well, that's it. The Celtics can't possibly win. I, I think this has been a remarkably evenly matched series, even if the games haven't always been super close. Um, the last couple, I think, or I guess the last one was was pretty good. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it can be you know, obviously 2-2 after four games can go either way, but I think we're, there's still a lot to be decided, but you know, it's a, uh, and, you know, part of me is just glad we're still going, you know, we still got a couple more, at least a couple more games to go. I had said going in that, and I said this like a week ago that whoever wins game five is going to win the whole thing. So big, big game tonight for, for both sides. Um, see if we can break the pattern. It went Celtics, Warriors, Celtics, Warriors. So if, if the pattern stays, it goes back to Celtics. And if not, if it breaks, then it goes. Uh, Warriors will be the first to win two in a row in this series. Uh, be interesting back in Golden State, but I almost feel like home court doesn't matter that much in yeah, this, in this series. Um, yeah, I think Boston is. Yeah, Boston's been very good on the road uh, in the postseason. They've been very good on the road in the last like four or five months or so. Um, and they've also the Warriors. I mean, that they're not going to be bothered by anything, right? Their core guys have been there, done that. They've seen it all at this point. So nothing's going to throw them off as far as home court goes. So yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I think we're in a position where, you know, now there's not a lot of surprises left, right? It, it's just, it's, it's about execution at this point. It's about playing good and, I what gives me a little bit of hope is we haven't seen Jason Tatum have that like Jason Tatum game yet, uh, like he had in game six against the Bucs, mm -hmm. where he went absolutely bonkers and couldn't be stopped. And I think he's starting to get to some of his spots with a little bit more ease. And then we haven't seen one of those Steph Curry games where he just doesn't have it, right? Yeah. And, and that's that to me, that's coming, you know, whether that comes in enough time to, you know, help Boston out or not, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think, you know, there's a chance maybe we get those tonight. Maybe it happens in game six, maybe, you know, one each night or something. But, but I do think we're getting close to, you know, one of those two things coming to fruition. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll see how Game 5 ultimately goes. Uh, going to be an exciting one. But, Keith, before we even get into that, let's do you go. Hear, do you hear that? Do you hear that sound? Yeah, what is that? I think it's a... Is that a trade siren? Is it? We have a trade. Yeah, baby. Here we go. We've got an actual trade in the NBA. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited when this when this came over the news line. Jamichael Green. It's a it's a minor trade, and I don't care. I'm still super excited. There are no minor trades, only minor trade. people. That's right. That's right. I like it. I like it. So, Jamichael Green. Well, let, let's break this thing down. What are all the particulars of this trade? What does this mean? And all of that. This is this is the first trade of what we're calling the summer of the trade because there's going to be a lot of moves. I think this summer. This is the first opening opening shot. This is the appetizer. So, what's That's going it. on here? All right. So we'll do the particulars first, and then we'll get into why and what it all means. So the Denver Nuggets are trading Jamichael Green in a protected 2027 first-round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for the 30th pick in this draft. So the draft that's a you know a, 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 ten days from now, uh, from when we're recording this, and then uh, Denver will also get two second-round picks from Oklahoma City in 2023 and 2024. This will now leave the Thunder with three picks in this year's draft, uh, number two, number 12, and number 34. And the Nuggets will have two picks, numbers 21 and 30. Uh, and as well, obviously, Oklahoma City takes on uh, Joe Michael and his salary. We can get into all the details on that, too, just because they're really important. Uh, Michael Green had to opt in to his $8.2 million player option for next season, uh, pending free agents. So that's if they have any kind of option or they have uh, any kind of, or not an option, but they're, they're just a free agent, they cannot be traded. So he had to opt in uh, for next season at $8.2 million. Uh, that gets uh, makes him now trade eligible. So he'll be sent to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is sitting on pre-trade about 31-ish million in cap space uh, before this trade happens. So they're going to be able to use some of their cap space to bring him in. Uh, that's how they're going to bring him in. And this will also, for Denver, will create an $8.2 million traded player exception. Uh, so we'll have that going going forward as well. So a lot of moving parts on both sides. So for Oklahoma City, is how much of this is just they've already got so many other picks, they can't feasibly make a pick so why not just kick the can down the road and hope that number 30 i mean odds are number 30 is going to turn into something better in the next draft it's probably not going to be number 30 again so what do you think about about that from the oklahoma city thunder side that you're getting a future pick but ideally this will wind up being a better pick than the one that they're giving up in this trade yeah i I did, that's exactly what this is to me for the Thunder. They're, they're kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit here and hoping, hey, in 2027, who knows what Denver will be by then. Uh, that's you know well past when Nikola Jokic's next deal uh, or his current deal expires. Uh, it could be even when his next deal uh, is wrapping up. He could be on like a player option that year or something like that. So so we could see this turn into a really, a, you know, really good pick. We, we don't know what the protections are as of yet. My guess is probably some form of lottery protected, maybe top 10 or something like that. <clears throat> but what I think, or maybe even top 20, considering it was only the 30th pick. Um, but for OKC, here's the key thing. 
they have they have they could have 15 players under contract going into next year. That's standard contracts, not two ways. They do have one of their two-way spots filled as well. When you have that, it's really hard to bring in four new players via the draft. They also have, you know, a handful of guys who are on non-guaranteed deals like the Krejci's, you know, his deal's half guaranteed, about 780000 They have uh, Theo Maladon, whose deal is fully non-guaranteed. Isaiah Roby's deal can be non-guaranteed if they pick up his team option. Uh, Kenrich Williams, he's non-guaranteed, but he's too good to just let go. You've got a couple team options, one of which is Mike Mascala. Maybe they could have let that one uh, go and let him be a free agent. And then they've got Lou Dork. Um, they're going to decline his team option, make him a restricted free agent, so then they have a control over re-signing him. But when you're the Thunder, if you're in this position, you don't have room to bring in four guys via the draft. You just don't. In the 34th pick, that's a little too high to be drafting a two-way player. Um, we generally don't see that until we get to the middle of the second round. So that that's really tricky now. And this is a team that's done pretty good in those early second rounders last year. Uh, that was the range where they got Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I also think this is a chance for them to say, Hey, we get a pick. We think we'll be more. You can't have a first round pick. That's worse than 30. You know, right. unless in 2027, we have a couple expansion teams and maybe, um, but that's, you know, we'll play with the protections and see where that goes. Um, but unless you think, Denver is going to launch a you know dynasty here that's going to have them winning titles every year. Why not kick it down down the road a little bit, eat a little bit of money? They might even be able to flip Jermichael Green and a subsequent. That was trade. my initial thought too. You know, yeah, at eight point two million, he could be somebody that because I can't imagine they have a ton of interest in in him for you know they've already got a somewhat crowded front court and they're in position to add obviously at the draft another uh, good young front court player. So, but. This is what you do if you're Sam Presti. You know, take advantage. We've got some extra picks. Or we can do this. We can turn that 30th pick into what will be likely a much better pick a few years from now. Kick the can down the road a little bit. Use some cap space that was going to expire anyway on July 1st. And off we go. Yeah, exactly. So, and like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Jermichael Green, especially when you look at the free agent list right now, who's out there, not sure. a lot of wings. So there might be interest in Jermichael Green from other teams where you could then flip him and get even more assets for the future and, and make this trade look even better from the Thunder side. So it makes a lot of sense for them. For Denver, is this just about clearing a little bit of cap, or do you see this this trade exception that they're generating actually being something that's in play, what they've got a year to use it? Did yeah. they actually go that route and use it and add that salary back on, or is this just about we clear this money and, and then off we go from there? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Uh, the it, When you subtract Green's $8.2 million, uh, from the books for next year, I already projected that he would opt in for next season. But then you add the draft pick that they're getting at 30, which comes with a cap hold of about 2.2 million. Uh, you, there's a difference of about 6 million. So they'll end up roughly in the range of being about, you know, well, let's see, they'll, they'll probably end up, uh, you know, what is that? That's 6 million. So they'll end up, you know, under the tax thumb, but pr probably by about, you know, 7 million, or I'm sorry, over the tax only by about 7 million ish. Um, in that range, they're going to save about 6 million bucks here. So, um, that is, that gets them lower. 
Um, it does get them below the tax apron, so it does give them a little bit more potential wiggle room there. I think this was just about creating flexibility if you're the Nuggets. So, you know, if Jermichael Green's on the books at $8.2 million, that's Jermichael Green at $8.2 million. A trade exception can be anything. It can be, you know, the other team just says, hey, we, we want off this guy $7 million, and you now you're in a position to do that or something like that. So it, it was a way for an expensive team to get slightly less expensive for a player who – They'd kind of fallen out of their their rotation. My guess is now uh, Jeff Green's probably back next year. They'll bring him back. This will open up that spot fully for Zeke Naji, who actually had some really good moments for the Nuggets yeah. uh, last season. Um, and then they've got two picks too. They're, they've got two players that they're going to bring in uh, on the roster in this draft. And now 21 and 30, it's not like getting you up to like 10 or anything, but – I mean, that could get you up to 17, 16 if there's a player you really, really like or something like that that you feel like you want to move up and go get. Um, I know the the, uh, the internet had a ton of fun. They worked out uh, Nikola Jovic, um, who it sounds a lot <laughs> like Nikola Jokic. Um, and he's even he's also Serbian and he's very, very well aware of uh of the, the the combinations there what that reminds me of is when you have like two similarly named guys in a fantasy auction and somebody oh. like a jerk throws the one guy up uh yep. to be you know hoping they'll catch somebody spend you know 50 bucks on you know somebody with a similar name and then like no i don't want the kicker from this team or whatever it is so um anyway at any rate but that's where we're at now it's uh you know it's um you know, first our, our first big trade of uh of, of the, the the off season and you know it, it was a pretty good one. Now, one other thing I want to touch on real quick. Mm-hmm. Why does this have to get done now? Oklahoma City's cap space, it's gonna expire on July 1st. They're sitting, like I said, they're sitting on about 30 million dollars in cap space or so, 31 million in change. They'll go down. They'll still have 23 million left that they can use to do other stuff like this if they want to. And trust me, there's a handful of teams that are looking to get off some money. But that goes away when we flip the calendar year over because with OKC, we've we've kind of, I think, um, maybe falsely uh, you know, put ourselves in this mindset of, well, they don't carry any big contracts but but they they kind of do they've got Shea Gilgis Alexander's salary jumps from 5.5 million to 30.5 million next year because he's in the first year of his rookie scale extension Derek Favors is on the books at 10.2 million because uh, he already opted in he was the first player to pick up an option for next year and then you've got a handful of guys who are drafted high to semi-high over in the last few years they've got let's see one two three four five players all making between three million and 6.3 million so that's how it all adds up then the really important one for them they've got 27.4 million dollars in dead money on the books from Kemba Walker last year they've also got a million dollars in dead money on the books can you guess who it's for without looking this was a long-term five-year stretch. Oh man, took five-year stretch. Yep, they stretched five million, almost five million dollars over just about a million a year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, I, I know he wasn't on their team, but whenever I think of this situation, I always think of Josh Smith. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, that's not <laughs> the right team. Or the Dutch, that's the first name that I always think yeah. of when I think of that situation. Yeah. Um, gosh, I can't even think of who it would be. Kyle Singler. No. Yes. Oh Last year, God. Kyle Singler got money on the books for, for the, the Thunder. I would have never gotten that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why, though, you add all those things up, and they're going to be an over-the-cap team, especially once you factor and re-sign mm-hmm. Dort and things like that. So that's why they're, gonna, they're motivated to use this cap space now. Now, they're not going to go crazy. I don't think they're going to take on 20 more million in in uh salary from other teams the only reason i say that is they certainly don't want to be a tax team and you start messing around too much and take on too much dead money then resign mm-hmm. dort for something in the 12 to 15 million dollar a year range now all of a sudden you start knocking on the door being a tax team and that's certainly not what they want to do so correct but you know maybe another eight ten million yeah you could probably pull that off and figure that out oh there you go all right uh why don't we jump down south to new orleans Let's talk a little bit about Zion Williamson. Uh, it sounds like things have been kind of clearing up between Zion and, and the Pelicans. Sounds like they're getting on the same page and that a, a deal will be coming. Zion Williamson will be staying long-term with the Pelicans. At least that's the message that's really coming. And in, the fact that this is coming from both camps. We've yep. heard the Pelicans want to resign him. We've heard that Zion wants to resign and We've heard from them directly. I, I think this deal gets done. The only question is, and we talked about this previously, what kind of protections are built in for the Pelican side in the event of a Zion injury? How do they structure things exactly? But it does look like as much talk as there was about, you know, oh, Zion wants to get to New York and his family doesn't like New Orleans and all that kind of stuff that was going around over the last, what, year plus. Mm-hmm. It looks like Zion's long-term home for the foreseeable future anyway. You never know in this crazy NBA world. It's going to be New Orleans. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play with this one is I think if you – you, you know, read both sides. You're absolutely right. Both sides are saying all the right things right now. I think the only way it gets super contentious is if those protections start to get a little crazy. Uh, what the Pelicans want to do that maybe Zion's can't box at that is like, I don't know about all this, but I think this will get done. Um, unfortunately, and I'm not saying this is how this is going to play out because I kind of don't think it's going to, but take the money, ask for a trade in a year or two if you want, right? We just know that's how, how the game is played. But part of me says, I bet you Zion looked at it and said, you know what this team could use? They could use me, and we could be really, really good. Because um, this team was, was pre- pretty good by by the uh, time the playoffs rolled around. They pushed that Suns team. Now we saw the Suns were you know, maybe a little more limited than what we thought is they, they bowed out to the Mavs in seven games, but still the Pelicans, they've, they've got some stuff. I mean, they're deep. I was, and when I did their off season preview, it really struck me. They've got about 12 guys who can legitimately play, but a couple of those guys are veteran guys that I don't think need to play. 
and they've got a couple veteran guys that probably need, uh, let's just call it what it is, rest days here and there. So I think their rotation will sort itself out. I'd be very surprised if they push Zion overly hard in back-to-backs and those kind of things. You might see that yeah. be one where you know he takes a back-to-back off or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, in, you know, in the end, this is great. I think this is great for the NBA because we want those big stars stay stay home, keep building it up, you know, until it gets to a point where it's like, all right, you've done all you can. Now, if you want to yeah. move on, like Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, if that's where they eventually get to, that's understandable. But in this case, you've played 85 games in three years. If somebody offers you a max deal, you better sign it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If I'm Zion's agent, I'm saying you you take that thing. Yeah. Because who knows what, you what take that. we're going to do everything we can to keep you healthy. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, speaking of max deals, well, we talked about Zion already, but Ja, Ja Morant should be getting a max as well from the Memphis Grizzlies. No surprise there. I know there was, it's mostly died down, but there was always that kind of little bit of chatter out there about, well, how good is he really if the Grizzlies yeah. are actually playing better without him and all, really all that kind of stuff? He is really, really, really ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is a this is a no brainer for Memphis. He was he was fantastic for them. And not only is it not only is he good, but he's good on the court and off the court in terms mm-hmm. of the kind of attention that's being drawn to the Grizzlies for a franchise that needs this kind of buzz around them. I think he is just huge for this organization moving forward again on and off the court. Absolutely massive. So this is a no brainer decision for Memphis. Yeah, and what's going to happen with Jaws, too, is he'll get that designated player language where if he makes All-NBA again or MVP, even if he can you know, win that, which, I mean, yeah, I don't think he will win MVP next year, but I'm certainly not taking it completely off the table. Uh, that's how good he is. But as long as he makes yep. All-NBA next year, then he'll get that designated language, which will bump him up a, t- a salary tier, probably up to that 30% uh, max tier with, with that. Zion's probably not going to get that language just because of the injury concerns. He'll get the injury protection language instead is my guess there. But these two guys, we'll see about Zion. One of the things I've been floating around is maybe in exchange for the injury protections, the Pelicans give him a fifth-year player option. Just mm-hmm. kind of say, hey, we'll let you get out early, but we need protected in case it all goes sideways on us. Uh, ja will get that fifth-year player option, absolutely. Those had gone away for a while, but they're starting to come back now. We're seeing like Jason Tatum got it, Donovan Mitchell got it. Um, you know, The best of the best will get them, and Jaw's certainly in that category. Like It's useful for these players, but I also feel like there's an element of that fifth-year player option being kind of a status symbol for the yep, player exactly as well, right? I mean, that's sure. that's like, it, it matters, but it's also, look, my team is willing to give me everything they possibly can. That That's how, that's that's the level I'm at, right? It, so I yep. think that's something that, that matters too, because on the surface, you just think, well, what's the big deal? Fifth year player option, you're getting, you're getting millions upon millions of tens of millions of dollars regardless, but I think it does matter to these, these max level stars. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and the best of the best get them. Trey Young and Luca, and their mm-hmm. extensions that'll kick in this coming season. Both have them as well. Shane Gilks Alexander, tear down right from from those two guys. I think we, we would all agree he sure. did not get one. 
um, is let me double check and make sure that is correct. Uh, he did not get one in the same with Michael Porter Jr. Um, did not get one. And then he's got some protections in his final year uh, in case of injuries. So, so we're starting to see teams. There's give and take right on these things. It's not, not all max extensions are created equal anymore where it's yeah. you get your five years, it's your five years and we go. Um, there's also for a long time, it was, everybody got a player option it was like right. you know you could be the you know 45th best player in the league and you were getting a player option and it's, it was a little like all right you know well, why are we giving everybody so much power but now now we're in a spot where there, there are um there's tears to to this stuff and that's good right that's the way it should be all right moving on to bogdan bogdanovich knee surgery for him never good you're hearing about knee yeah. surgery for a for a player uh, what's the out- outlook here? Is this uh, could this change offseason trade talks? Yeah, maybe they're saying six to eight weeks uh, before he can play. Uh, this this was not shared by the Hawks. Uh, to, to as far as I know, I don't think the Hawks have still said anything on this. But it was the um, his uh, uh, Serbian national team doctor mm. um, was the one who who shared this that uh, he was not going to be able to play in EuroBasket, which is a big international competition in in Europe this summer because of the because he recently had surgery. So that's and it wasn't that he got hurt there. This was an yeah. injury from the time with the Hawks. He was just sharing why he wouldn't be able to play. And he said they they said six to eight weeks. So now he should be fine, right? Six to eight weeks. Sure. He should be plenty ready to go before the start of next season. Training but it does, you know, it's just well, one question that now get needs to be asked is where you know, hey, how's his knee doing? We saw that bothering him in the playoffs, including he missed a uh, game five of the Hawks Heat series in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll, I mean, again. Probably nothing to worry too much about. Should be ready sure. for training camp and, and all of that. But I mean, we know the Hawks are going to be a team that is motivated to make a move. And so I'm just curious yeah. to see if that does anything at all to his trade. Maybe the answer is no. And it's and it's nothing and, and we just move on. But I am interested to see if any teams are a little bit more cautious on the trade front in mm-hmm. terms of the value they would they would give to him uh because of this. Hawks are gonna do some there's just too much buzz around yeah. the Hawks right now. They they're, they're going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but but they're 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 going to do something uh the, this summer. I think I think it might end up being something big. All right. Speaking of buzz, look at that. It's almost like I'm a professional here. Kenny Atkinson Sing to the Hornets. The Hornets, they've settled on their coach. They've figured out who it's going to be. Sorry, it is really? not Mike D'Antoni. Instead, Kenny Atkinson. Uh, and you know what? We were down when they were down to D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson. I just went yeah, I mean, wh- whichever one you go with, good job, good good hire. Like I, I think yeah. there was no real wrong answer there, and they ultimately go with the more player development geared coach. Makes sense for a young team. Mike D'Antoni, offensive coach, very offensive team, makes some sense there too. But Kenny Atkinson, I think he's a good coach. Uh, he was in the running with uh, with the Lakers as well, and now he goes from being an assistant with the Golden State Warriors to back to being a head coach once again. With the Charlotte Hornets, I think it's going to be a good fit. And um, yeah, I, I have nothing negative to say about this hiring. Yeah, nothing's been announced yet. My assumptions are going to wait at least another uh, you know, week or so here until the finals wraps up, and then sure. they'll they'll come out and announce this to let Atkinson get through through that. But but uh, that doesn't you know because it's so funny, right? You ever. I'm sure you get the same thing. It's like uh, like Woj or Shams or Chris Haynes or Stein or whoever tweets something and then the team doesn't announce it. Yeah, and it's like what happened? Is it not happening? Did it fall right. apart? And um, 
There was a week between Darvin Ham being announced by Woj or whatever, and then (laughs) the Lakers actually announcing it. So there there was a point there where people were going, uh, and in between there, we had the Quinn Snyder situation. So everybody went, whoa, what what just did the Lakers just, you know, bail on Darvin Ham? Now they're going after Quinn Snyder. Is that why it hasn't been announced? Of course, that was never actually a thing, but just that was that was what I was dealing with in, in Lakerland. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all <laughs> with that. So, yeah, well, let's see. Yo, um, this will get announced, my guesses, like I said, in a week or so. And then, uh, yeah. and But, yeah, we already talked about it a little bit when we talked about it as a candidate. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great hire uh, for the Hornets. Good, good chance for them to uh, develop some talent and keep things moving. All right. As if we didn't have enough reason to go to Summer League this year, James Wiseman. Uh, sounds like he's going to be playing in summer league, which is great. I've uh, been dealing with injuries, hasn't played. And uh, to get him back out on the floor, you know, the former number two overall pick, I think this is going to be important for the Warriors for and for him to get back out there and kind of rebuild that confidence. Um, I would imagine he'll be the kind of guy that'll play maybe the first couple of games and then not play after that. But I'm yeah. I'm kind of excited to see him back out on the floor and see if he can you know, start to shake off some of that rust and fulfill some of the potential that everybody saw in him around draft time. Yeah, I completely agree. Now the Warriors are playing in two different summer leagues. Uh, they're hosting the two-day California Classic, uh, yep. and then they are going to Las Vegas with everybody else. So in the California Classic, my um, guess is maybe he plays in one of those, and then he plays in a couple games in Vegas. Uh, they also said uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody are both expected to play as well, which is pretty pretty uh, loaded. That's going to be uh, a good summer, summer league team. team. Yeah, that's a pretty good start. Now what's funny is they made – you know, wreck everybody in the couple games they play together and then not yeah. play at all and then lose uh, early in the playoff tournament round, whatever the heck they do now. They change it every year, and I, I can never keep track of it, just kind of keep looking at the schedule to see who's playing. But, uh, yeah, he went uh, – uh, Sham Sharani and Anthony Slater uh, had a report today that he went to London in April with uh, Warriors GM Bob Myers, and he had a, a, one of those platelet-rich uh, therapies done, uh, right. which you know, seems to have him, have him feeling pretty good. Uh, he's been sprinting for weeks now and has had no pain and no recurrence of the swelling, which is what knocked him out. Because if you remember, we thought he was close in March. Mm-hmm. We, we did. It sounded like he was going to play, and then you know, he had some swelling and got shut back down after a couple of uh, stints in the G League. So now it sounds like that's good, and he's been cleared. Uh, to go or he'll be cleared i guess in the coming days to go through full contact workouts so yeah you know my guess is you know in which is as crazy as it sounds in about three weeks uh we'll we'll see him on the floor in summer league that's right gosh i'm excited that's that's awesome that's absolutely (laughs) awesome um speaking of awesome taylor jenkins gets a multi-year extension with the memphis grizzlies uh, this is great. Uh, I thought he was the coach of the year. I can't argue too much here, but I thought he was coach of the year. Did a fantastic job with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies suffered numerous injuries and still stayed afloat, kept on kept on uh, winning games. Mm-hmm. And uh, Taylor Jenkins has really proved himself. So uh, well-deserved multi-year extension for him. Yeah, I completely agree. This is another core member of that uh, franchise locked up. Zach Kleiman, their GM, signed an extension last year. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. is a contract extension kicking in. We already talked about John Morant and now Taylor Jenkins. So the Grizzlies are getting all their kind of key guys uh, locked up as they go. Did you know last year tied their franchise record for wins in a season? I I didn't know that until today. I did not know that. Yeah, 56 wins. 
learning something new all the time on the, the NBA front office show. Grizzlies speaking fact, of, Kyle Singler. There we go. Speaking <laughs> of which, the, let's, um, let's get even further into education here. DeAndre Ayton, the logistics of a trade, because look, it's, it's coming now from multiple sources. We talk about smoke. We've got a lot of people talking now about DeAndre Ayton. He's probably done with the Suns. He's going to go somewhere else. But trading him, particularly because it's probably going to be a sign-and-trade, he's going to be a restricted free agent. The Suns, they're going to want something back for him. So the fact that he's going to be in a sign-and-trade scenario, that adds some complications. Plus, base here, that's going to complicate things as well. So what does this look like? Because I know fans of a lot of teams around the NBA right now are thinking, hmm, could we get DeAndre Ayton? But it's not quite as easy as just trade player A and B in exchange for DeAndre Ayton. Correct. So let's assume DeAndre Ayton leaves the Suns, and let's just assume it's a max deal okay. that he's signing somewhere else. Because it's it's if not, it's going to be really, really close. The reason why I'm saying that is, that makes the math very easy on me uh, to do to do the math. So let, let's just and let's just say the max deal. Let's just say it's thirty million even. It's it's really thirty point five, but thirty million just to make it easy. What that means is that really puts basically three teams kind of in range being able to trade for him. That's or being able to sign him rather outright. That's mm-hmm. the Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers, and possibly Orlando Magic. The Magic are going to be in line to draft one of the best three bigs in the draft with the number one overall pick. They've got Wendell Carter Jr. They're probably not going that direction. The Pacers, yeah, maybe Miles Turner, they do something different and they want to go that way. Maybe. We could see that. And the Pistons, sure. Right? They're fully there. And if the Pistons want to yeah. go that route, they can. Anybody else, it's going to have to be a sign-in trade. Here's where it gets really complicated. In a situation where you use bird rights to re-sign a player and you're over the cap, which the Suns would be doing both of those with DeAndre Ayton, and let's say they give him $30 million, let's just call that the max, he only counts on the Suns side as $15 million in outgoing salary. Right. So he only counts for half. So that means they can only take back roughly, you know, let's call it, about 20-ish million or so um, mm-hmm. in, in salary um, back um, in a trade. So that's really imbalanced because another team, he counts for the full amount, that $30 million. So you need to either find it, one of those teams with cap space. Uh, mm-hmm. So Detroit, Indiana, San Antonio, Orlando, um, they can help facilitate if they want to, if they're going to get something out of it. Um, that could be a way you re- rebalance because – to take in 30 million, you need to send out you know, roughly call it 27, 26 million in that range. Um, 20 about 24 million, really. Um, so so that's that's an imbalance, right? And that that's why they they make these hard because they don't want the idea of just resign the player and flip them right away and right. assign a trade in these situations. So base year compensation is really, really tricky to work around, and it can cause a pretty big mess in these immediate sign and trade transactions. Um, now, if they resign him, let's say the Suns resigned him and kept him, yeah, they keep him. That 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 goes away, um, and it would be his full salary amount, but he wouldn't be able to be traded until January 15th because that's the other restriction. If you sign a player to to a contract that would trigger base year compensation, you're restricted until January 15th on trading that player. Um, so there's, there's some complications there. One other thing I don't want to add just really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
I'm hearing on all these podcasts and all these places that are doing, you know, rampant speculation of, hey, hey, here's seven DeAndre Ayton trades I thought of. Trading DeAndre Ayton, a sign-in trade, and also involves draft picks, it's basically impossible. Because one, you'd be violating the crap out of the tampering rules. Right. <laughs> right. So there's there's number one, right? That's the NBA doesn't even need to do an investigation. They would know you tampered. The right. other thing is it's and that's that's because the draft is before Aiden would actually sign as a free agent, exactly. just to clarify that. Yep. The other thing that's really important to note is it's a sign and trade. It is not a trade in sign. So DeAndre Aiden mm-hmm. still has control. So let's say the Sun said, Yeah, hey, uh, you know, OKC, we want the second pick. And OKC's like, great, we want DeAndre Aiden. Let's let's do this. And then DeAndre Aiden's like, I don't want to go to OKC. He doesn't yeah. sign that. He doesn't he doesn't agree to go. So that's the the that's why anything that involves a sign and trade for a player with draft picks, just put it out the window, throw it away. It's not gonna happen because it's just way too hard. There's too many moving parts on those. This is I still continue to believe DeAndre Aiden will leave the Phoenix Suns and will leave the Phoenix Suns via sign and trade as the most likely path. But I think, but it'll be more complicated in a bigger trade than what it looks like on its face. Well, and I think we need to mention here too, like even if it is a cap space team, like say the Pistons, it might still end up, it'll probably still end up being a sign and trade because they'll need to pay something in order to convince the Suns not to just match the contract. So when you say there's no draft picks, it could be a future draft pick. Right, the Suns yeah. could decide. You know what? We're going to do a sign and trade, thirty million dollars into the Pistons' cap room, and then we're going to take on. We're going to get a thirty million dollar trade exception. Plus, they're yeah. going to give us a future first or, or whatever it is. Or it could even just be a, a junk first, right? Sure. If if it was already decided. Yeah, I mean, like look at what the Celtics did with Gordon Hayward. They paid the mm-hmm. Hornets a couple seconds to make it a sign and trade. They're right. like, hey, we take these to make it a sign and trade so that they could create a nearly, uh, you know, $28 million or whatever it was sign and trade. Or trade the exception, other, rather. The other thing I need, I think we need to, do, to address just for the sake of history here is why, why have base your, your compensation? Why have this, this be a thing? Um, it wasn't, it doesn't feel like anyway to me that, that long ago. It was, it sure was a good while ago, but so the NBA, they wanted to try to incentivize players to stay with the incumbent team, to stay with the team that drafted them. And so then they gave advantages to teams who drafted those players in terms of signing them. They can offer them more mm-hmm. money. Well, what players started to do was sign the contract with the in- incumbent team and then <laughs> demand a trade. So they would get the best of both worlds. They would get all the money that they were possibly owed because a new team couldn't pay them quite as much as their current team. So they would get the money and then they would get to go to the team that they wanted. And the additional year too. Yep. And yeah, there was an additional year and the teams were cooperating with this because they were saying, well, this is better than losing the player for nothing. But the NBA didn't like the optics of it, of players constantly re-signing and then forcing their way out. And so they tried to make this a bit more complicated, a bit more difficult for, for this to take place. So that's why you see this. It's because it's a reaction to what happened in the past. And so the NBA tried to kind of legislate that out or at least make it a much more difficult situation to try to negotiate a sign and trade. Exactly. And, and all these things are put in to, if you want to do it, 
you guys got to get creative to make it happen. And we do see these happen sometimes. Like the Pacers, for example, even if they couldn't get there, they could do eight and four. Uh, Miles Turner and some cap space maybe, and that's the way you right. could do you know, a trade like this if that was the way they really wanted to go. Uh, there's indications. Uh, Mark Stein, I think, was the latest one to add his thoughts on it is, it doesn't look like Turner's going anywhere, but just because they're a cap space team, likely this summer we'll throw them in the mix here on this one. But yeah, it it, it is very um, interesting. I still, like I said, I think Aiden does get signed and traded somewhere. I think that's how this resolves. Um, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult. And you may see one of those teams pulled in or a team with a big trade exception or something to help balance off the money uh, for all sides. All right. Last thing that we've got uh, today is the w withdrawal deadline for the NBA draft. So, yep. Just important. I mean, not, not huge. Like, pretty much we know who's going to be in, who's out by, by this point, but just something to check off on, on your calendar as we do progress towards that NBA draft. Yeah, so what will happen is probably sometime tomorrow-ish, uh, we'll get the full list uh, from the NBA of the early entry players who are available. Uh, the NCAA deadline was June 1st, uh, for players who wanted to retain, retain their college eligibility. Uh, this is for everybody else. Uh, so mostly international players is who this impacts. There's occasional like occasional like NAIA guy or something like that, or a G League player um, or, or something like that. I think probably the biggest thing that came out of this, uh, there's this kid, Leonard Miller, who kind of came on the scene a little bit late. Uh, he's a Canadian kid. He's about six foot eleven. Um, you know, kind of a, a bouncy athletic kid, uh, pretty good skills. He's he's uh, looks like he's got some development work to do defensively. He withdrew from the draft. He would have likely been a high second round pick uh this year he's going to play for the d-league ignite uh this well, season uh upcoming season and then he'll re-enter the draft next year um as a as a uh, early entry player and when he does that um there's thought if he plays well with the ignite he could play himself into the first round so um so that's probably the most notable uh thing to, to come out of that his uh soon to be uh teammate scoot henderson I don't know if you saw this. He signed the largest uh, non-draft eligible player contract ever. Um, he signed it with Puma, an endorsement contract uh, with them, where he's going to make a crap ton of money, it sounds like, to endorse Puma uh, sneakers. And then then he'll be back, which is, I don't know, it's kind of cool to see, like, Puma and some of these other, yeah. like, like uh, I, I hate to call it this, but forgotten shoe brands, like, get back into the game again with, with, with some of these guys. So, yeah, Scoot Henderson, uh, he's projected to be a very high lottery pick uh, next season. He's, he played for the Ignite last year, um, but he was a reclassification player, so he's not draft eligible this year. So he'll play one more year with the Ignite, uh, too. So we're, we're seeing some of these alternate paths uh, to the league really start to take off. whole new path into the NBA. Ten days away. <laughs> no. from the draft unreal, unreal. i gotta it's pick up on all my pre-draft stuff <laughs> i know right i've been crying now i feel like i went from the uh you know slow uh studying process and all that and i'm like all right i can't spend whole days on prospects anymore like yeah. now it's like okay cool i watched like six youtube videos i read like 13 articles good. on the guy <laughs> i i think i have a pretty good understanding of what you know at least other people think he can and can't do i because like right. i spent days on uh jabari smith chet holmgren and paulo bancaro mm -hmm. like probably at least like two full days watching stuff reading stuff going back and looking at old notes and those kind of things just to see try to get a handle on those guys the rest of them now 
it's really turning into like, all right, I got to get two, three guys in when I can um, around. And trust me, I'm not complaining that I still have finals games to cover. By no means is that a complaint. It's just a different kind of year. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. Why don't we wrap things up there? Uh, that way I can get this out before game five actually starts, <laughs> but, but it's an exciting time in the NBA. I want to thank everybody for joining us over here in the NBA front office show. Make sure you do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to come find us over on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, leave us that five-star review and, uh, and rating, and then leave us a little message as well. We certainly do appreciate those. Till next tell next time, everybody. Friends. Sorry. Tell some friends too. Cause we're getting ready to get into it probably, I would say, later this week. We're probably going to get into some free agent rankings and things like that because we're, we're – I mean, there's only – at most, there's three basketball games left this year. Yep. So we're, we're going to start getting into stuff and news and all that. And uh, I think we're really honing in on doing a live draft show here on the mm-hmm. channel. Um, yep. Probably the first round. We'll probably break after the first round and uh, let, let everybody enjoy the second round uh, on television. But join us for that. We'll be doing questions and answers throughout the draft. And everything else and you'll you'll see me uh, probably turn gray before your eyes as i'm trying to update <laughs> as uh, trade news happens but no we're we're too this is this is what this channel's for guys it's for this time of year you know in yep. particular very much so and we're we're super duper excited about everything that's coming so tell a friend help get us there. we're almost at eighteen thousand. so let's get us a let, wouldn't it be nice if we got to eighteen thousand subscribers as the celtics raised banner 18 boy that that would be synergy right there and i'm sure both of us from the bottom of our hearts would absolutely love every second of that synergy that would that would not be that would not be so nice <laughs> that would not be nice all right everybody <laughs> thanks for joining us though we'll end it with that till next time see ya and stay safe it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com